Round one was over. <laughs> Parents won. Kids sipped. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a mouse. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Gentlemen, start your engines. Such a madness around here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to DDP Today, a show that's a little about us, a lot about Disney and fun for the whole family. My name is Justin, and today I am joined by a few of my buddies. Let's go around the table and see how everybody's week's gone. Going to start with my friend of the South, the great Mr. Aussie Dave. What's up, brother? G'day, mate. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Good. Yeah, no, life is great. Um, busy. Um, and there's another potential storm coming, but I think it's going to curve and it's going to come at you guys instead of us. I don't think it's going to make impact at all. Yeah. Oh, is it going back out yeah. to sea? Okay, cool. We're, we're going to get probably some bands off it. It's big. Massive. This so, thing's a monster. We, I called it a week ago when it started. I, I love watching maps. And I looked at my wife and I said, that's going to... I said, don't know what, but something's coming of that right there. And she goes, it's just a few clouds on the radar. I went, you wait. Mike's called weather page. It. Love it. Love Mike's weather page. Follow mm -hmm. him. Yep. That's where I get all my all my stuff from. Um, and uh, he was doing spaghetti a, models today. You, you, ooh, I love a good spaghetti model. Yeah, they're, they're my man. favorite. Yeah, Dave, like, do you follow I love Mike's weather page? Just how no, um, that, I'm assuming that's a South Carolina thing. No, huh. no we no, have he's in Florida guy, actually. Weather and... yeah, they actually call oh, him he? the Redneck right. Storm Chaser, dude. He's the best, man. He's right, the best when it comes to storms. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's not even close. On, like in, on Facebook. Yeah, just follow yeah. him, and then he does a Mike's live like page. once or two, twice a day, and he he explains the spaghetti models and chats and stuff like that. I just I uh, found him. Uh, I now follow him. I just I love a spaghetti model where you're like, okay, so they also have no idea. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> yeah, we'll run the GFS. Different... Yeah, it's one of those. Yep. Uh, well, let me run run up up north here for a second to check on my mm, good buddy, please. Uh, the great Mister Mike. How are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I actually got to embrace my southern culture this weekend. I know for you people that are friends with me personally on Facebook, um, you got to see I had a little barbecue over the weekend. Uh, my squad from the sheriff's department, we all had off the same day. And, you know, with it being Labor Day, I figured we might as well throw a little family barbecue, have a lot of people over. Some of my wife's friends came and uh, we cooked up a 25 pound alligator. Uh, it was absolutely delicious. I was very impressed that my wife, who swore up and down, I'm not trying it, I'm not going to eat it. We cooked it so well. She tried a piece and she went back for seconds and thirds. And everybody in the house ate it. They loved it. I did a great job with it. Uh, props to my uh, to my partner at work, uh, my, my 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 buddy who helped. We we, we kind of threw this together and we did it together and cooked it together and brain kind of scrambled some recipes and how we were going to do it. And um, six hours on the smoker and it was probably one of the most delicious meals I've ever cooked. You, I tell you what, I'm really proud of you because rewind two years. You're in, like, Manhattan and the Bronx and, you know what I mean? Like, just a true New Yorker. Like, yeah, the accent's still there. 
But it's given another two years. Now you're eating gator and everything. Give it another two years, you're going to be going y'all and, you know, saying all those great, <laughs> great terms. You're turning into a, a true Southerner, my friend. I, I love it, man. It's good. It's good. We, the, uh, I, was glad, I was glad to have everybody over. It was a great barbecue weekend. Um, if you're not friends with me on Facebook, I don't use my regular last name. So if you're ever looking it up, some of you guys are mutual friends. It's Mike D, D-E-E. Uh, being in the sheriff's department, I don't like to have my last name out there because of some of the people that I run into. But if you're, if you're friends with me and you're listening to me on DDP Facebook family, then obviously you can friend request me on Facebook for sure. And uh, I usually post a lot of good food pictures and some drink recipe stuff once in a while too. So for those of you who know me, I try and do that as well but uh but yeah other than that i had a great weekend um i'm looking forward to obviously seeing a lot of you guys and a lot of our ddp family next week that's that's really what i'm excited for i only have a couple more days of work and then i have a full week off we got our road trip driving down i am super 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 excited i'm definitely in the need of a little bit of a vacation i feel like the summer went by quick with all of our family vacations but now it's kind of time for me to unwind and relax and you know get going through scare zones and uh enjoy some time some adult time with our ddp friends yeah, man, I'm super stoked. We are going to have such a good time. Uh, I want to talk about something before we get into our topic for today, which is fantastic. Uh, and that is, so there was, I don't know if you guys got to read or not. It's, it's really long. Um, I will send it. I'll put it on the Facebook page. Um, so it is the CNBC article on Bob Iger and Bob Chapik. So it came out and it pretty much details from like their start into the company each all the way through their relationship. So it's the first time Bob Chapik sat down and discussed this with someone after the fact. Um, and look, there's a lot in there. Like you realize how much those two guys really didn't like each other after a while. I mean, to the fact of like really, really disdain for one another. And you you see like the little kind of pettiness that goes back and forth between the two of them. But here's what I took from this. Okay. And before I do it, I have to ask you guys a question. So picture a huge celebrity, right? And their publicist says to them, hey, you need to do something that's going to humanize you to, you know, the average person maybe watching your movie or listening to your music. I mean, you would do things like maybe get a dog or go on a hike with your family or go on a beach vacation or go to Disney World, stuff like that, right, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I could definitely see, you know, Giving that softer side, maybe you got that rough, gruff attitude, and uh, maybe you're not in the best light, kind of like the uh, the bad guy. And uh, you know, a cute little puppy tends to uh, go a long way. So in this article, that when the people at Disney were telling Bob Chapik, they said, "Hey, you need to humanize yourselves to the Disney cast members and to the investors and things like that." So I'm going to give you the two things that Bob Chapik came up with to humanize himself. The second one I'm going to give you is what ended up leading to the board wanting to fire him. <laughs> so every year they have a retreat. The retreat this year was in Walt Disney or was in Orlando. So at the retreat, Bob Iger always did something where he, they would play softball, they would do games, and all the executives would come out and they would do this kind of stuff as a team-building exercise. Chapik said, we're not doing that anymore. So what he did was he took all the executives – and he put them in a boardroom during this retreat, and he said, get to work, figure out solving problems, doing all this. So the first thing that he does is he grows a beard. Bob Chapik thought that growing a beard would humanize him to the common person. The second thing he does is while these executives during their retreat are in a boardroom, he goes to Animal Kingdom and has people take pictures of him petting a hippopotamus. <laughs> 
The now petting a hippopotamus to me doesn't really humanize you, Dave. I mean, that kind of makes it to where you're like, I have pet hippopotamuses that have to sit and at my feet and while I pet them, you know, with my beard growing. It was just such a strange the article's so well written and the story is fantastic. It's a long, long read. But you get to that part and it's like this one little excerpt, and I want to read it to you uh, exactly how it's written. So it said, Chapik attended only a few minutes of the first strategy session. He spent most of his time at the retreat participating in activities that would showcase his personable side to employees. By this time, Chapik had grown a beard, which colleagues told him uh, he should keep because it humanized him. When several executives locked in the conference room found out Chapik was having fun, including petting a hippopotamus, their collective frustration with him grew according to people familiar with the matter. Dave, this is an interesting uh, takeaway from this long article. It's the one thing that stuck in my brain. Um, having met the man, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> like, he... I feel like you could do an entire article which is an exploration of... 18 months of missteps. It yeah. just felt like during that time, everything he tried to do either fell short or just didn't, didn't go the way it was planned. And, and it was, and it was just time after time. It was like, they, they're drawing on these two things that happened during a retreat, 12 to 15 months into his time at the helm like, yeah. Um, also, having gone and played sport with a lot of those executives at one of those uh, sessions, I went 10-pin bowling. It was great. Um, like, they were huge team builder events that and are demonstrative of how Iger knew how to get people to talk and to relax and to create an environment. Um, yeah. Just, now, just I'm a not going to let example. Iger off the hook, though. So let me give you a funny thing that I took out of this article about him. So one okay. of the things is when he stepped down that Bob Chapik instantly kind of put a wedge in between the two of them was that Bob Iger wanted to keep his own office. Now, the reason he wanted to keep his own office is that Michael Eisner, when he had the office created, had a private bathroom with a shower and a vanity to shave built in the office. And Bob Iger loved this. He would say, and I quote, uh, the he lived for the two shower days when he would be able to go to events, um, movie openings and things like that in the evening when he would shower in the morning, the shower the evening before he would go out. So yeah, that makes when, sense. When he stepped down, he intentionally wrote in that he would still have control over certain aspects for 22 months. So this left Bob Chapik not having the CEO's office, but having a smaller office down the hallway from him here's Ooh. what i here's what i took away from Iger, and i love this please go read this article if you're a disney fan just google cnbc disney article and it will come up um here's what i took away Iger has two uh two images in his bathroom the first is a framed collage of newspaper front pages and magazine covers with images of himself celebrating disney's purchase of marvel in 2009 so that's the first one in his own bathroom. That's what he has. The second picture spoofed the movie poster for the 1975 Clint Eastwood thriller, The Iger Sanction, but the image was of Iger instead of Eastwood with the title The Iger Sanction. 
Um, the I, the, I, the first Iger, the, the main one is E-I-G-E-R, and then he had it changed to I-G-E-R. Here's the, what I love about it. The Iger sanction, the movie, is it about an assassin who comes out of retirement for one last job. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that is irony at its finest. That's uh, that's incredible. Um, yeah, wow. Um, I mean, yeah, that's also some interesting choices there. Yeah. Can you uh, imagine not getting the cool bathroom? Oh, I mean, it's we've we've I mean, it it obviously instantly put him on on, you know, alert that and he says in the article Chapik says, it's hard to do a job when you're looking over your shoulder the entire time. You completely valid. Yeah, I I agree too. This is it's funny man because we saw this happen, you know, back in the Eisner years. With Eisner and Roy Disney, yep. you know, and Jeffrey Katzenberg, like those three hated each other, but somehow were able to figure it out and and work through the troubles that they had in the late '80s, you know, and come with the Disney Renaissance eventually. Um, open new parks, resort, uh, resorts, you know, just transform the Disney image as a whole. So, fingers crossed, man. They, they somebody figures it out, so we'll be good to go. Um, and maybe we could just make heading hippopotamuses available to everyone and then it would be something that makes the com- makes it symbolic of being the common man i had to i had to bring that up to you guys because i just thought the fact that he was Can like we get a hippopotamus <laughs> petting experience <laughs> just for everyone just get a get a lightning lane in the morning and go pat a hippopotamus well, i don't aren't see they traditionally issue. aren't they traditionally like a violent yes you they know, kill animal. more people yes, than anybody any other animals <laughs> Hugely that hippo had one job and he failed. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> look, the whole thing, the, the thing too. We, I got to create a shirt that says it has like a character of Bob Chapik and he's petting a hippopotamus or riding it and just says, "I'm an everyman," you know, at the top of it. So uh, I, be good. I, I feel like we could get him dancing with the hippos from Fantasia. Fanta- yeah, I love it. There, or something like that. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Bob in a tutu as well, maybe. Well, uh, I had to bring that to, to you. I didn't know if you guys had read that or not. Go back and read it. It's it's a long read. It's good. It comes with a lot of information. It's really, really fun. But let's get into tonight's topic because it's something we've been waiting on. I am going to start our topic, boys, with a spoiler alert. We Uh-oh. don't do this a lot, but tonight, if you have not ridden Tron, if you have not experienced Tron in the Magic Kingdom, tonight we're going DDP in-depth on Tron Light Cycle Run. We're going to talk about the construction the Q just, just sorry, really quick. Yeah. Light cycle power run. Oh, power run. Like it, it, it's a, hey, correct I nomenclature is. is an important thing of the of the Disney company. The, the the attraction is called Tron Light Cycle Power Run. I was actually gonna leave the power part out just because I didn't want to spoil that little itty bitty part. Um, it's it's called power run. If you uh if you don't want to know about it right now, save this episode for after you're able to experience it because we Ooh. are going to get into the nitty gritty of it. Boys before we get into the queue, talking about the attraction itself, Mike, uh, you were able to ride this uh, before I was. Yeah, uh, February 22nd, as a matter of fact. Uh, the great Rick Reagan had us come down, and um, he had a cast member preview, and he so graciously invited me and Joe. We were able to come down there and get to ride it before the general public was allowed to. Um, so we got a little bit of a preview. We got to ride it a few times, and uh, it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's it, uh, it definitely is great, and we'll get into all that. Dave? As we look at this construction, I think, you know, we're going to kind of dive into the construction a little bit. This took a long time to build. I mean, a really long time. It really did. It was a 
it was part of the COVID uh, pause button. Mm-hmm. And then um, priorities of attractions were taking place and nobody really knew what was happening. Um, the superstructure around the outside was done. And then, um, and then it kind of looked like it ground to a halt. Now, obviously, they, we now know that they were doing stuff inside, but I don't know how high up the priority list it was because it was one of the last things from COVID that was paused that then got to actually come to full circle uh, to fruition. Yeah, and it's one of those things that I think it it – I think it accomplishes what fantasy or fantasy, what what Tomorrowland needs. I, you know, I've said it for a long time on the show. It's hard to call Tomorrowland Tomorrowland because, you know, it it kind of is stuck in like the mid 1990s and early 2000s. It needed a pick me up. It needed something that's, you know, stand out is a new weenie. I mean, Space Mountain's still there, but that doesn't have the kind of draw that I think Tron does to Tomorrowland. Um, let's talk about the movie for a split second. Uh, of course, this attraction is based on Tron Legacy. Um, okay. Yeah, and uh, I've never seen the original. Have you? I watched the original. I used to watch it as a kid. Um, it was one of those movies that was kind of ahead of its time. Um, I remember it quite a bit. Uh, I liked it a lot. It was it was kind of a, you know, I was into sci-fi at the time, so it kind of had that, you know, tech, that new technology feel. It had the, the graphics for the time were very cutting edge. Um, there was a Tron video game that came out on Atari, I think, shortly thereafter, which was fun to play. So, uh, you know, the, the whole... The whole Tron, you know, phenomenon went through, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, Christmas time getting Tron toys and, you know, video games and some of the other stuff that went along with it. So uh, it was definitely part of my childhood. Yeah, yeah I never I've seen it, it too. Have you? Yeah. But like, just because it came out before you were born doesn't mean you shouldn't like. <laughs> Does it hold up, though? Because like, I have a hard time with movies like that, with the graphics and stuff, you know. You need to appreciate it for what it was and the era that it was made in. Like, for its time, it was cutting edge. It was absolutely cutting yeah. edge. Well, Mike, hold on to your chair because I don't want you to fall to your chair. Mm-hmm. I'm finally into season two of The Sopranos because I had a hard time with season one because when Tony pulls out a cell phone, I'm like, that is so old. <laughs> that is so old. Really, that was the thing that, like, you couldn't yeah. get past? Same thing with The Wire. I tried to get into The Wire. I couldn't get into it because it was just... Oh, I love The Wire. I was completely pulled out of it, so I just I worry that I would I would be completely just. Yeah, but you can you can you can watch things from even though it was was recently somewhat recently, you can still look at it that as it was from those eras. Like if you watch an Al Capone movie, you know he's not supposed to have you know a cell phone. You know what I mean? So I mean you got to kind of say that hey, this was the time and place of when it took place. I mean if you, when when and if we get to watch Goodfellas, obviously that was a movie that took place during the seventies and eighties. Uh, so you know you don't expect them to have the technology that they have. So I, you know keep giving the Sopranos a chance. You know it's not supposed to be cutting edge this day and age kind of stuff. So no, I'm in now because now I'm invested in the characters. So now I'm I'm all in. So I, okay. I'm good with it now. I still I don't know, man. Some of those some of those shows that are really like heavy dialogue. I sound like such just a just a not very smart person right now. Um, heavy dialogue driven. They I have to be drawn in by something. So Sopranos finally got me. I'm in. I know we're we're going off track here. Um, As we always. Yeah, you know, Tron Legacy opened December seventeenth, two thousand ten, and uh, with a hundred seventy million dollar budget, it actually grossed over four hundred million. Uh, a big success there. Which leads to the fact that 
Disney then uh, has said that there will be more Trons being made. Uh, Tron 3 will be coming. Uh, it was scheduled. Yeah, 2025. Yeah, I think, I think so. It got schedule. pushed back. Uh, Jared Leto is scheduled to star. Eh, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. He's the worst Joker. Can we just say that? Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but. It's not even close. He's competing against, like. Behemoths? Jack. Yeah. Jack yeah, Nicholson Heath, and. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger's the best. Yeah. It's not even close. I mean, Iconic. it's like, so good. Yeah. Uh, so Tron, you know, inspires this attraction. This is not the first attraction of Tron we get, though. So Disney, of course, out in Shanghai, they get all the good stuff first. Uh, they have well, Tron opening May 7th of 2016 for the soft opening was, and open June 16th of 2016 uh, with the full opening. Right. It was an opening day attraction for them. So it was something brand new that they did for Shanghai that like blew everybody's mind. Here's what I think is really cool. Okay. And we're probably about to uh, touch on the storyline aspect um, because, um, and I'll lead us into that if that's okay. That's perfect. um, Because the concept of this ride is that um, you are stepping into the grid uh, of the video game of Tron. Okay, and you're being absorbed into it now because of the way the video game of Tron exists, there is only one. It's one grid that you are playing on. And so the way they constructed this second ride here is that this is a second port in to the same game. And so... In theory, Shanghai and Orlando would be aware of each other. Isn't that cool? I I, I got told this story uh, by an Imagineer while I was there, and I was like, "This is that's amazing that they thought that through." So is you know because your team blue in Orlando, are you a different color in Shanghai? No, it is the same. So okay. you're still competing as Team Blue. So there's like some there's some yes suspension of belief that goes along with it as well but um but the the theory is is that you are yes porting into the same system the same grid that's awesome well Walt yeah. disney world fans of course get the amazing announcement like from our good buddy the hippopotamus petter himself mr bob chapik uh, at D23 in 2017, that Tron Light Cycle Power Run will be coming to the Magic Kingdom in time for the 50th anniversary. Of course, we know that didn't happen. Well, I mean, it opened during the 50th. During it, just not for the 50th. Yeah. Um, and it made it by the skin of its teeth. Barely. But other than that, yeah. Yeah. Like, but it was kind of a good bookend, to be honest, for the 50th. Yeah. It's I mean, great. If they so, planned it that way. Um, so, you know, Mike, this is one of those things. An incredible attraction takes you inside, takes you outside. It is the fastest roller coaster on Walt Disney World property, uh, reaching speeds of over 60 miles per hour. Uh, just let's just talk about walking up to it alone. It is breathtaking to see. And I think that the way that you are brought into the world of Tron is super cool just walking up to the structure. Yeah, you know, as you start walking up, you have that little ramp area as you're going up, and you kind of feel like you're being, you know, levitated, like going above everything else. You know, like you're just kind of like almost walking into a cloud with the way the sails are and the way the whole uh, ambiance of the the 
the ramp leading up to what you're about to take place in. Um, very cool. You kind of have, you know, with, with Tomorrowland in the background and all the sights and sounds behind you. Um, but it really transports you and you feel like you're going into a different dimension because even though you're still in the same land, it kind of just has a weird feeling the way you're pulling your way. Because you're kind of in the back of the park, obviously. We all know where it is. And um, you just kind of walk that back area up. And as you go in, you can kind of, you know, the breathtaking view of seeing it in front of you and how massive it actually is is pretty incredible. And also the sounds, too. As you hear that, you know, we, we, we've talked about, you know, famous sounds and sound bites in the parks, too. But that also has a specific sound as you go up to it, just something similar to like how Test Track sounds. You know, when you're getting close to Test Track, you get that kind of noise and you get the same kind of, you know, uh, noise as you're walking up to this. I will say this. I've done it both ways. As you enter this area two different experiences between day and night and when you do it during the daytime compared to the nighttime i mean the nighttime experience you know there's tomorrowland to me itself is the best observed in the night i think that that's the, the coolest place to be i think just the way the lights kind of you know that and the music just kind of really set the tone for an like outer space kind of uh, experience and i think that being at tron and walking up that tron ramp at nighttime is definitely the way to go yeah you kind of talked about the music too uh daft punk is responsible for the music, kind of the remixes that you get with this attraction uh, from the music from Tron Legacy. I think the music's great. And the fact that you start hearing it before you even get to the attraction, I really uh, I really think is super cool. The one thing I want to talk about uh, before we go into the queue is, look, this is one of those attractions that is not going to be for everyone. Um, you know, the, it is a very unique ride vehicle. We'll get into it. I will tell you this, there is a test seat out front um, to where you can test it and you can try it. So I do recommend if you have any kind of concerns, if you're going to be able to ride this attraction, you go to the test seat, try that out, make sure you're good. Because uh, look, this is also one of those attractions, there's no standby queue. So you're either buying a lightning lane or you are getting a virtual queue, which I did this past weekend when I was able to do it. Um, Dave, the queue itself... You know, you have switchbacks out outside, uh, but then once you get inside, there are some switchbacks, but you do have some great videos, and Riley made a really great observation, and I didn't realize it until, if you pay attention, the line will only move whenever the video, the inside line, whenever the video is done playing, and the reason for that is they play the video, then they will open up to where you can go to the lockers, allow a certain amount of people in, and then the video will start playing again. And she made that observation as we were waiting. We ended up waiting almost an hour because the attraction did go down for about 15 minutes. So even with virtual queue, it was about a 45-minute wait if we hadn't gone down. Um, but once you're inside, you really are starting to get into that world of Tron. Yeah, I mean, you're absorbed into that world. And... Um, as I mentioned, part of that storyline is that you're being ported into the game, into uh, onto the grid. Um, one of the things I love about it is that uh, they created uh, two pre-shows. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is one for your lightning lane. So if you have purchased that lightning lane, um, you're not then waiting in the same pre-show and then being delayed to join the rest of it. Um, you get uh, that uh express right through to the locker section of it so it really does get you through really fast uh not only that i love the pre-show um i love the queue and then i love the pre-show because 
when we think of a pre-show, we think of something exceptional like um, dinosaur. Uh, I was going to go with um, Rise of the Resistance. It's tough to be a bug. Um, oh, okay. yes. Right. So, gotcha. but uh, with Rise of the Resistance, um, like the the pre-show is so immersive that it almost be uh, that it is part of that experience it's part of the ride so to speak and it's almost hard to know exactly where the pre-show finishes and the ride begins because the pre-show is so extensive and immersive whereas for this attraction um you've got to think that there it's in a different park it's not like it's not over at studios or epcot where they we do these um more in-depth immersions and things like that this is this is magic kingdom it's a hit it and quit it kind of park you're in you're out and you're done and you're like moving from one thing to the next so um so it's a really quick pre-show uh where you're taken you're absorbed into it and delivered uh to the grid like and i said you're there we're gonna we're gonna do spoilers so let's dive into the first one once you get to the lockers this is the first attraction at walt disney world where you have to use lockers um, you yep. can keep your cell phone on you. Actually, the ride vehicle itself has a small compartment where you put your cell phone. Anything keys. bigger than a cell phone, though. Nope. And my cell phone barely fit. I will tell you that. So I was actually doing some on-ride audio when I was there. I had a, had a little mic. And uh, so it's fine. It's just a little lapel mic. You know, it was good. Um, my cell phone barely fit. But it did fit. Uh, and, look, you have to put your stuff in the locker. It can be used with a magic band. Also, if you don't have a magic band on you, you can get a locker key card from an attendant, from a CM, and they will take care of you with that. So it is really, really nice. I will say this. Once you go through the lockers and you come around and you're ushered into the room, it kind of gave me the feel of Flight of Passage a little bit. Okay, yeah. This had a bigger wow factor than Flight of Passage. When... The glass in front of you turns clear and you yep. can see through to the attraction. Yeah. That is a wow moment that the Imagineers knocked out of the park. Yeah. Mike, what about that moment for you? Oh, I loved it. It was it was <clears throat> it was great because obviously for us, me, Joe, and Rick, it was a complete surprise. Um, we had no idea what we were walking into. Um, obviously, there was no spoilers for us. We had no idea what it was. And you're standing in that room waiting for something to happen, and all of a sudden that glass just changes to absolutely clear, and you has oh my god, there's because you really don't get. I mean, you kind of know from what the ride vehicle is going to be. You kind of see it running around the outside, but when you get that glass turns from completely foggy to completely clear, and you have the light cycles below you and you're kind of standing on that bridge above them man that was super super cool um yeah. definitely a great wow factor when it comes to doing that um very super cool effect how they do that with the glass how it goes from you know from opaque to you know completely translucent very very cool yeah so for anybody who is braving the spoilers of this and hasn't yet done it what you're basically doing is you walk into a room and it feels like it's a giant closet computer screen yeah, like you're it's a wall of a computer screen and you're just there and it takes you and it like counts you down and then it like does this transition where it's and it makes you feel like you're being like pulled into the computer game. And then you realize that it's not 
computer screen that, or a TV screen that you're looking at, it is a piece of glass that has this projection running through it. And as it turns clear, you're looking down on the launch area of the attraction. And if the timing is right, it isn't always, particularly if they're playing catch up and they're trying to get everybody through as quick as possible. But if the timing is right, it should turn clear just as you look down and uh, one of the light cycles uh, launches right there in front of you and uh, people ahead of you in the line are screaming as they tear out uh, of the gate uh, on the attraction. So it's um, it's this great immersive moment. It pulls you in, but it's also total of 15 seconds. Uh, as I was saying, it's a quick, straight to the point, you're now in the game, welcome to the grid. Yeah, it's... the. <laughs> I think we'll get to the point of this that there's nothing very long about anything like the queue, the pre-show. It's all kind of gets to the point you are there. And that's so for me, I think I was the last one of all of us to do it this this past weekend. Oh, I'm sorry. Dan still hasn't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, They'll have Senior Citizen Day one of these days. Oh, good. I hope he accidentally listens to the episode. Oh, he'll listen. And also, I hope you're having fun tonight, man. He had a uh, a kind of reunion type thing he said he's doing tonight so I couldn't be here with his friends from high school. And uh, I said, that's great, man. I said, which which Senior Citizen home are you doing it at this year? Mm -hmm. You know, you uh, you good? Um, So anyway. You're going to sit around and play Mahjong? (laughs) (laughs) Good. Excellent. Good. Awesome. He's, he's got his pudding. Wonder, he's got I his pudding he he's taken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Citrus cell or what? Muse, what is what is the stuff? The, uh, Mucinex? Not Mucinex. That's for allergies. What you, oh. you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, Citrus cell. Metamucil. Yeah. yeah. Metamucil. I got, got it. it. We nailed it. Uh, yeah. This is, this is one of those things. So um, let's talk about just the, the, the ride vehicles themselves. This is a very unique ride vehicle. Uh, I want to get is you guys' it? opinion. Yeah, I think so. Where else do you see something like this other than Hagrid's is somewhat like it? I think this one's actually better than Hagrid's. I found it actually pretty comfortable. I didn't think it was going to be super uncomfortable. The fact that you're kind of laying on your chest almost um, is a little different. You know, you're putting your your pressure down your chest before they put the back restraint up. Um yeah. I found it actually a really comfortable ride vehicle. Yeah, but it's really just flight of passage tilted forward. Uh, not really, though. Do you nope, think? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, the way it closes around your yeah, I guess you're the right. The way it closes around your legs. The way you're just leaning forward. I feel like in this is more comfortable than flight of passage. Okay. Maybe because it's open. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. It's literally flight of passage. Flight of passage, forward. you have the banshee kind of, you know, it, it breeze on the right. sides, and I feel like it has more to it than this does. Yeah, because you're sitting up, and they needed it to because you're not like, and they could because you're not like rolling forward. You're basically stationary. I was a little worried about it. I thought, man, this is going to be super uncomfortable. Sometimes Hagrid's can be a little uncomfortable, like if you have people that have bad backs. Um, this mm. one I found great. I, I found it was it served the purpose and i think mike it made it even more thrilling the fact that it is kind of that motorbike you know like you're riding a motorcycle doing over 60 miles per hour 
I don't know if I don't. Maybe you know. Maybe you don't know. I mean, that's, I really haven't talked about it a lot. It's never really come up in the show. I was a huge motorcycle rider for years. Yeah, I mean, Joe yeah. and I've talked about Mike's, and I was always a super bike kind of guy. So I'd say through the through the '90s, through the early 2000s, until I got married, I used to ride, you know, Kawasaki Ninjas, and I used to ride the Yamaha YZF, and I'd have 750s and 1100s, and uh, I'd go pretty quick, you know. And and to, note to the kids at home, you don't want to, you know, no speeding, but um, you know, I enjoyed <laughs> that kind of position because I was always a super bike kind of person. I was never a Harley guy or a cruiser. I always liked doing, you know, some fast speeds on the highway with some of my, you know, some of my bike friends and, you know, zipping through Manhattan and going through the tunnels. And, um, but I was always a super bike guy and, and I liked doing this because, you know, the, my super bike days are kind of over. You know, once you have a wife and kids and you have, you know, you have to be a little bit more responsible. Um, this gave me the little opportunity to feel like I was a little irresponsible again being on something, but obviously in a much more secure and stable position. And I wasn't worried about, uh, you know, crashing on the side of the LIE. Though, yeah. Uh, what do you work again, Mike? The sheriff's department. Yeah, you, oh, okay. Yeah. What do you do for yeah. What do you do for a living? Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, do you, Do yeah. you give them the boys will be boys and uh, boys will be all, boys. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there you know, it is. I had to put a disclaimer in there. We don't down. We don't break the law anymore. That's exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say. The clown is down. Yep. But I was uh, about to bring my gavel. The clown is down. That's our Simpsons reference for today. Yeah. Uh, but yes. So uh, no, it does really. Um, let you feel like you're riding a motorbike um and i mean but that's how we described flight of passage to everybody when it first came out is you're sitting on a motorbike it's the same it closes around your legs and holds you in there's a uh, a piece that comes up on the small of your back and locks you in um like yeah it's that's exactly you know what, what it is. is though you're this one i feel like you're laying a little more flat than you are in, you are you're yeah leaning a maybe lot that's forward. why it's more comfortable okay because with with flight of passage, I feel like you're bent more at the waist, whereas this one you're okay. kind of laid flat to be honest, like yeah, at an angle, you but you're kind of laying down on your on your chest. And I mean, you could yeah. sit up, and you know you have the handles to hold on to. I just found this to be a really great. I, I like I said, I was kind of like, eh, am I gonna like the ride vehicle? I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really really great. A uh, little bit about the attraction. So it is a launch vehicle. We we said that uh, does over sixty miles per hour. Uh, doesn't go upside down. For those of you worried about that, that's something Katie asked whenever we got on. Does this go upside down? I was like, no, it does not go upside down. Uh, it is about, they say, I don't know about this. You know how like basketball players or football players, they'll be like, yeah, I'm 6'4", and really like 6'2". They're saying that the duration of the attraction is a little under two minutes. Dave, where are they? Show? Yeah, what are they talking about? <laughs> where are they getting this from? I mean... 90 seconds is a little under two minutes. It's just uh, so it was a minute and one second. Yeah. Right, correct. Anything over a minute and one second is a little under two minutes. It just yeah. depends on what you define as a little. No, um, um, it's interesting because I don't so, feel, I mean, I guess whenever you're talking about from the second you correct from the moment it rolls out of right. the station is where yeah. they start that timer. And then you go around that corner and through yeah. that, and then you hold for a second and then you launch. Now, if you go from launch, it's 90 seconds. Yeah. Almost exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I can see you that get then. that extra 15 seconds or so rolling in to get the, it's like the whole, when does rock and roller coaster begin? Right. Rock and roller coaster begins once all the harnesses are locked in place and you start rolling out of the parking lot. Yeah. No, that makes so, sense. hundred yeah. percent makes sense. Uh, this is one thing that is great about the traction. This is a, uh, they move people through. 
Um, they try to do really about do. almost 1,700 riders per hour. The trains themselves are seven trains with seven cars, so 14 uh, guests per, per, per train. So they move those things through, man. They are absolutely uh, rocking and rolling these. And you'll know, too, if you just stand under the attraction and watch it go because it is constantly coming through there. The great thing about the tracks, too, is you're pulling about four Gs at one point. So you're going to feel it on your body. It is a ton of fun. Um, you know, as far as the ride itself, you know, we kind of talked about it. Dave, you'd probably be the best one to kind of kind of chat about this. You do get a little bit of a story during the attraction as well. You do. So uh, the story for this is that you have been recruited to the blue team uh, as one uh, as part of the competition of blue versus orange in the uh, event arena. And uh, as part of it, there are, from memory, I think six gates that you need to claim. Um, and five and six happen in very close succession at the end of the ride. So some people get off going, I don't know, I didn't count them all. Um, but so you launch and you go zooming around the outside. And then once you're on the inside, um, there's then a bunch of graphics where you're seeing orange team racing against you. And, um, and I'll talk about one of the cool special effects that they do in just a moment. But yeah, so the storyline is, is that you're trying to claim the gates uh, as quick as possible. And so you're zooming around this track through the gates and you and you do hear them saying one, two, three, and like as you get as you zoom through them. So uh it is fun. There is a storyline to it. Um I mean as we just discussed, it's 90 seconds of a storyline. So it happens really fast. But yeah, it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh overall Mike, what's your opinion on this attraction? I, I, you know, and I'll give you mine after I, after I hear from you guys. Uh, but if you were going to tell people, let's just judge it on this: Is this attraction worth spending, you know, fifteen twenty dollars per person for a lightning lane if you're going to experience it? Uh, I I hold out for the virtual queue. I don't know if spending the extra money on it is is that much worth it, um, I, unless you want to. Maybe for a first time, you know, one and done kind of thing, and then hope on the virtual queue going forward. Um, just so you could say you you know, got that notch under your belt and you got it, and that's what you want. You know, you you say, hey, I was able to ride it. Um, maybe pay for it the first time. I w I wouldn't pay for it again. I think if I went with the kids and the kids wanted to do it, obviously I would pay for that. This way they could get to experience it. If we couldn't get the the queue, um, I think it's a great ride in a great location. I think the timing of it. We obviously know it was delayed because of the COVID. It just comes on the back of so many other great rides. Like when you look at the succession of, you know, you have Flight of Passage, then you have, you know, Smuggler's Run, then you have the whole building of Galaxy's Edge, then you have, you know, a Rise of the Resistance, then you have the, uh, you know, Guardians. The, uh, the Guardians. Now you have this. So it's kind of like, uh, if, if the timing on this would have been somewhere between Smuggler's Run and, you know, Rise of the Resistance, you would have said this is one of the greatest roller coasters ever. But it's kind of like you, you, you build up, you build up, you build up, and then now you take a few steps back. But it's not a few bed steps you back because it's a fantastic ride. But I think just the timing of it didn't play out well with the release because you always expect something bigger and better and bigger and better. And this was just kind of like, it's good. So I think this is the best way I could explain it. Now, let me say this. 100%. With the virtual queue, yeah, with the virtual queue, Disney has really uh, made that process much easier than it used to be. It used oh, yeah. to be like hitting the lottery. I've had no issue getting virtual queue for this. I actually got it a couple of months ago when I was there. 
but the return time was like I got like like group three, and I had a breakfast. Oh, I, I had a breakfast over with Stitch, man. I had to go over to the Poly and have have some breakfast. Um, priorities and priorities, and so we didn't do it. So this time I got number thirty five. Let me tell you the weird part. I talked on this on, on the last patron show for a little bit. So the weird part was this. So I got virtual queue for uh, for Guardians the day before. So when you get it at seven, right, it gave you an estimated time for your return. So it would be like estimated 310 minutes from now your window will open. You know what I mean? And it kind of moves throughout the day. So estimated 65 minutes, you know, and you can kind of judge your day on that. It didn't do the same thing for Tron. Tron only gave you a number. So it did not give me a time at all. So it gave me return 35, like group 35. So I get on the app once the park opens. It instantly goes from group 1 to 20. Boom. Like right there. Just boom, hit. And so I'm like, oh, man, I need to get the girls up and get them, like, moving because we need to head over to the Magic Kingdom soon. So I get them up, and it's now it's to, like, 1 to 24. And then it got to 24, man, and it just stopped. And it went from 1 to 24 to 7 to 24 to 14 to 24 and didn't go at all. And then by the time we go over to the Magic Kingdom, it ended up we rode, I think, at, like, 11.30, and the park opened at 9.00. So or we got in line at 1130. I got to our window open and we got in the park at, you know, the park open at nine. So it it was weird, man. I wish that it did the same thing as Guardians and gave me like a time. Now, I don't know if that was just a glitch that day or if that's just the way it typically is. But yeah, it did not give like an estimated however many minutes till you're till because it's easier to plan your day that way, I think, you know, especially if you're not just in the parks all day. So that was a little weird, Dave. It is. It is. And I mean, it, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what their process is now, but um, uh, I thought it gave you uh, return time, but maybe not. Yeah. So it was much easier um, though to get it. What's your uh, What's your opinion on this attraction? So I think, in true Mike fashion, Mike knocked it out of the park, hit the nail on the head, and described it so well because it it is a good attraction. It's a solid roller coaster. It's a fun ride. As I said, it's in the earlier, it's in the magic kingdom and it's a hit it and quit it. Like we want you in, we want you off. We've got 47 other things to do in that park that day. It's not something that you're setting aside an hour just for the ride experience on. Um, to put it in another way, Mike, I like to refer to this attraction as the Pocahontas of the Magic Kingdom hmm. and he, or of Disney World even. Because when you think of amazing movies from the mid-90s from the Disney company, um, there was this plethora of movies of um, from starting in the late 80s with Little Mermaid. We then got um, Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and Lion King and, um, and just – just incredible movies, all right? And then in 1995, we got three things simultaneously from the Disney company, all right? 1995 was an incredible year for Disney. You ready? We got Pixar uh, brought us uh, Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a Goofy movie. Love it. And we got Pocahontas. And then following it, we got uh, Hercules and Mulan and... Hunchback. Uh, Hunchback, Okay. So when we think of amazing movies from the 90s, we start listing all these other ones and we go, 
Oh, yeah, and Pocahontas. Now, in its own right, Pocahontas is a great movie with beautiful art, artwork, uh, voice talents, music. Like, it, it's it's a great movie. But we compare it to what it what is around it. And it sometimes doesn't live up to the comparison element of what we're doing. Ron, our light cycle power run, sorry, uh, is an amazing ride. But we compare it to the last five years of <laughs> awesome things that the Disney parks have produced in Walt Disney World. And we go, yeah, it's like, oh, and Tron. Like, so yeah, that's my, that was uh, almost out of the gate. Very early on, I started making that comparison that it is the Pocahontas of, uh, of attractions for uh, roller coaster and thrill based rides uh, in Disney World. That's actually really well put, and I agree with both of you. So I would not pay for Lightning Lane. If I can get a virtual queue, I'll do it again um, yeah. every time. I would love it. Uh, I thought it was a ton of fun. I thought the queue was great. I really enjoyed it. It's a thrill attraction, something the Magic Kingdom has really needed, to be honest, is kind of that thrill aspect because, yeah, you have Space Mountain, but, you know, it's – Dave, how fast are you going at the fastest point? Like 23, 22 Eight. miles per hour? 28. 28, Okay. This is over 60. Like, you're you're yeah. rolling. More than twice the speed. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, it's amazing. And uh, um, and here's the thing. Like, Thunder Mountain, great roller coaster. Yeah. Seven Dwarves Mine Train, great roller That's coaster. Fine. Space Mountain. Um, uh, Hopefully, Tiana's Bayou Adventure uh, remains something that uh, people want to ride. Um, We needed a thrill ride. Um. We needed something that brought Magic Kingdom up to par on thrill mm -hmm. rides with some of the other parks, and we and more than anything, Tomorrowland needed something. Yeah. So it fulfills all of that criteria. Like, Just the lighting alone, Dave, puts Tomorrowland back into tomorrow. Correct. Yep. It's it's amazing. It's great. So the music, the lighting, all of those things we have talked about, um, they're just amazing. And it's we we could probably just sit here and uh, do an entire episode on the trans transformation of of Tomorrowland and how uh, it has. That may be a really good episode to talk Ooh. about uh, how Tomorrowland has changed over the years and how this um, has. Uh, changed the landscape over there. But it is uh, a spectacular ride and a great addition to Disney World. You know, when you're riding up, when you're getting on the ride, they have some great pictures that you get when you can do it my Disney Experience app. They have those photos you can see of you on the rides. And the one for Tron is an amazing one. Uh, they have some amazing rides there. They have amazing pictures there. They have some amazing pictures outside in the queue area. But I think our Disney Dad family, the DDP family, has some great pictures on our DDP Facebook page. And it brings me to my favorite thing every week, and that would be Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. It's time for it's us time to for get us our Picks of the Week. All right, guys, you know my favorite thing every week. And uh, Dave, why don't you give me what's your Pick of the Week? So my Pick of the Week this week uh, goes to... One of the beautiful things of the DDP family uh, and the extended network that has been created uh, uh, is new friends or meeting each other and catching up uh, 
on their travels through Disney. Um, and Jenna Ramey and Christina McSheffrey uh, managed to uh, run into each other. I think it's in Animal Kingdom based on, yeah, let's say Animal Kingdom as a guess. Um, and so they ran into each other, grabbed a quick picture and posted it. They even used hashtag DDP moms, which I loved. Uh, and um, two wonderful people um, who, and who are big supporters of what we do here um, and are always telling us about how they keep at Disney, uh, running into each other and taking that photo in the parks. It's uh, one of the beautiful things that has sprung out of this tremendous community. Yeah, great picture. I love seeing the meetups with people that, you know, meet each other through the podcast or through the Facebook page. I think that's super, super cool. Um, I, you know, we, we love seeing that. And, you know, we've a lot of friendships have spawned out of that. So I'm glad to see that. And that makes us happy. Um, I'm going to go next. I'm going to steal from you, Justin. I know because I, I never get to go. Uh, yeah, dude, first go or ahead. Second. Yeah, so you're going to go last today. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to give my pick of the week to somebody who's a very near and dear friend to our family, uh, our, our DDP family, my personal family. Someone gets to, you know, spend some time with a few weeks ago out in California. And um, man, it's it's hard to not do these picks because he's a professional photographer, and that's Charles Mary, and he always graces us with some amazing photos. Took all of our DDP uh, today Facebook, you know, when we did our our, uh, our meetups out in California. He took all of our pictures. He was so great about it. Um, great guy, great picture. And Charles, you have my pick of the week, and it's a picture of Epcot, and it looks absolutely beautiful. Love it, absolutely love it. Well, that leaves me. Um, let's see, can I break a rule this week? Sure, why not? Or, right, what I'm, rule? I'm going to take someone who I absolutely love. Uh, they're amazing, fantastic, and that's myself. I'm going to take my own <laughs> picture, um, and that is because I posted our adventure over to Basecamp. Uh, look, we are so excited to be partnered with Basecamp with our DDP Today Sorcerers running team uh, for Marathon Weekend. For the next four months, we're going to be raising money to support Basecamp. Our goal is $15,000 this year, and I want to give a big shout-out to my good friend, Brandon Bignall, for his awesome donation. Thank you, brother, for your charity. Thank you for your big heart. Thank you for your support for these kids. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, that link is right below, guys. You can go right there. Click that link. You can create a team. Even if you're not running in Marathon Weekend, you can create a team and raise money for these kids. I'm going to bring Dave in on this because, Dave, you and I were able to go to base camp, and what an amazing evening we had with these kids that, you know, it's hard to describe in words how rewarding that evening was. I am still having trouble coming to terms with it. Um, like, it's eye-opening, it's, it's breathtaking, it's it's challenging. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's emotionally draining and yet emotionally fulfilling simultaneously. Um, Basecamp, um, for those of you who haven't heard us yelling about it yet, uh, is a tremendous organization that works with uh, children who are suffering from uh, mostly cancer, but uh, other diseases as well. Um, and, um, and, they seem to particularly focus on uh, children that are are re-diagnosed and um, and have had a reoccurring issue. Um, maybe they uh, beat one form of it through treatment and were in remission, and then something else sprung up. Um, we got to meet a young lady who 
Um, I think they said she was third. in her third diagnosis, yeah. um, her first coming at, um, at 18 months of age. And uh, she's now... She, she's a little younger than Riley. Or 11? Yeah, she's so, a little younger. So I think nine or ten. Yeah, yeah, somewhere there. Um, just a, a tremendous spirit and a wonderful person who has battled more than like the three of us put together. Like, and you can't you can't quantify how fulfilling it is to spend time with somebody um, and. We sat down, and I will say, I finally got the nail polish off. I still have um, nail polish on. I mean, beautiful. you can see it. it. Look at that. I see the glitter, and it is stunning. Uh, if you have not seen the pictures, go on the DDP uh, Today Facebook group uh, and see there are pictures of both Justin and I getting our nails done um, and sitting um, with not only this young lady but members of her family and just playing some games and talking and telling stories and drawing pictures and – um, and just a whole lot of fun, a great evening, uh, that, um, refilled my cup Yeah, and I too. needed it. Yeah. I, I definitely needed it. And it, uh, continues to, um, I'm just really excited for it. Uh, I, I'm excited for it to become something where we can, when we do have groups of people here. Um, that we can put it out there and be like, this is the address. You can show up on these days and say that you're part of our DDP family because um, to go and see this and to hear the story of Basecamp, which has been operating for more than 40 years, mm -hmm. um, also one of the lesser known groups it is. Um, that they need – that they need the support just as much as some of those more well-known names that we may immediately jump to. And I think that's uh, – and that's what we are here where this – little podcast of a few guys that put, tell stories and talk about stuff. We don't claim to be one of the big guys that is getting invited to all the press events and things like that. That's we're just, and so I think it's a great partnership uh, symbolic of uh, the two groups coming together and just amazing. Yeah. And it, for those of you, like, I, did I ramble long enough? There? No, I, I love it. We're going to have Terry on a show to come chat to, about Basecamp and kind of what they do. But I do want to highlight a couple things. I was talking to Terry while we were there. You know, Terry told us, you know, she was like, you know, the big charities are amazing. They're fantastic with what they do. But they have tens of millions of dollars in funding that come in and extra money in the bank to take care of stuff. And she was like, you know, we we take every penny and we stretch it as far as we can. She was like, just a donation of $5,200. Let me tell you what that means to base camp. To base camp, that's 52 weeks on a Friday night that we can feed the kids, you know, Chick-fil-A or something that while the parents get a break. She's like, I for the $5,200 donation, if we can rate, you know, we raise that amount of money, that's what they can do with it. For an entire year, Terry does not have to worry about where's the funding coming from so I can feed the kids tonight. Like yeah. it is so, uh, just such to, a great charity, such a great, just charity. to explain that a little bit further. Uh, so this charity works in such a way where they go to the hospitals, mm -hmm. uh, where these kids are confined to their beds during treatment and they bring them, uh, they bring them stuff, uh, that they don't normally get. And let's be honest, we've all had hospital food. There's a reason there are jokes in the world about hospital food. It's nothing to write home about. It's only marginally or somewhat better or somewhere on par with airline food. Like, yeah. let's not get excited about this. And we're talking about kids and families that eat this 
for weeks on end, months on end while they're there. And to have somebody come in and uh, Terry was telling a story of talking to a kid who was like, oh, I really want a McFlurry. And she went, all right, I'll go get a McFlurry. And the kid's jaw hit the ground and went, wait, I get a McFlurry? And she went, I'll be back. And just to hear Terry tell this story of this kid whose day, week, month and world was changed because they said, this is what I want. And somebody said, yep, let's go. Like just like the impact that that can have on their attitude, their, um, their outlook when their attitude and outlook are such an important they're part of the psychological game of what they're going through. When you can change that and turn it around that's what Basecamp is, and that's why we're doing this. Beautifully, beautifully put, brother. Um, look, click that link below. Ten dollars, you know, whatever, whatever you can do will help us get to that goal because our goal is fifteen thousand. But I think we're going to crush that. I really do, and it's because of you. It's because of your generosity and the type of people you are, and we appreciate you for that. So, if you need more information, please get a hold of me, and I'm happy to chat with you. Um, if you want to set up a team. If you want to go to small local businesses, if you want to know how you can help, um, please get a hold of me. Uh, I am more than happy to schedule a call. We'll chat, and anything you can do, a lot of companies match. Our, our overall goal is this. We are all very fortunate. These kids are going through something really tough. These families are going through something really tough for sometimes a second, third, even fourth time. If we can take just a little bit of the pressure off and help just a little bit with financial, they do stuff like they assist with groceries, uh, you know, purchasing groceries with gas money for families that are having to transport, you know, get back and forth to the hospital. They do a lot for these families. If we can help just to take a little bit off their shoulders and let them take a breath and just for a day be a kid, that's what it's all about. You should have seen their face. Mike, I would have loved for you to have been there to see their face when they unwrapped the brand new Nintendo Switch that our patron family bought for them. I mean, mm -hmm. They were so excited that they were going to get to play Mario Kart and play all these awesome games. Um, they were just so stoked, man. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's amazing, man. I'm so glad to be part of this. Um, you know, I've, I've clued my family in on what it is, you know, talk, talk to the girls about it. And I'm glad that, you know, just the, the little bit of something. I mean, listen, it's great doing the show. It's great having the, the outings and the meeting meetups and all the friends and all of that. But when you can actually make a difference, um, to me, that that means the world. And, um, you know, like I said, we're just a bunch of goofballs that are putting together a, a little bit of a show. But when you can impact somebody's life in a positive way, even if it's for a short little bit amount of time, I, I think it's an amazing thing. And uh, I'm very proud to be part of that. 100 brother ddp family you guys are incredible uh well boys tron look great addition to the magic kingdom you get the thrill now inside of the magic kingdom which i think was much needed it is a facelift to tomorrowland which was also much needed but let's go over to the patron side let's close this thing up and boys let's uh let's have some fun over on that side before we do final words mike uh, I do want to say one final word before we go on, because today is 9-6. We are recording on a Wednesday night, and one of somebody who's part of our DDP family, is an important part of our DDP family, it's his birthday today. So I want to give a big shout-out to the Castano, uh, John Castano. It's his birthday today, and um, I think he's something like 40 years old, so I think he's in the 40 Club now, if I, if I read that right today. So uh, welcome to the 40 Club. It's all downhill from here. John uh, John and I had like an hour conversation last night after our, after our draft, and man, I I love chatting with that guy and hanging with him. What a great dude. Happy birthday, brother. And uh, yeah, man, I hope it was an awesome day. Uh, amazing. Um, I, he's, because he 
does uh, hometown kingdoms. Yep. And is officially a host within the uh, YDF brand. Yep. Uh, that makes him our youngest host, doesn't it? I, I don't think so. I think I'm actually oh, he's a year. Does. I think he's a year. No, actually, I think Sarah would be our youngest host. Oh well, no, Sarah actually, as well. I think Kat is our youngest Kat host. Is. So yeah, Kat, just, Kat, I don't Kat care who it youngest. is, just as long as it's not Justin. <laughs> uh, hometown Kingdom and DDP News Day, you're canceled. Um, that's <laughs> Happy birthday, John. We appreciate you not only for being younger than Justin, but just for being a great uh, member of the team uh, and what we do here. Thank yeah. you, Dave. Closing words on Tron. Hey, um, we've said it. Great ride. Don't compare it. Just enjoy it. Um, yeah. Don't feel the need to say that it's this or that. Just go and enjoy it. It's a great ride. Um, and uh, watch the movies before you go. Like, it'll draw you in. Uh, not only that, you get to see um, some great performances. And Olivia Wilde, who I'm a big fan of generally. So. Yeah. I like Olivia Wilde. Uh, well, DDP, DDP family, have an amazing, amazing week. Click that link below. Get a hold of me to learn more about Basecamp. Donate. Raise money for kids. And uh, we are going to have an, an amazing four months uh, working together to support these kids, support Basecamp. So appreciate you for that. Have an amazing week. Make someone smile. Smile yourself. Be positive. And until next time, we will see you real soon. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night. Cheers. On behalf of the Disney Dads, we want to say thank you. We hope you find a little magic in your life every day, spread some Disney love, and keep moving forward. And they all lived happily ever after. Each of us has a dream, a heart's desire. It calls to us. And when we're brave enough to listen and bold enough to pursue, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we're meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic within. Ready to begin. Let the wonder. And that's a wrap. This has been YDF Media Productions.